Welcome to Games Hub, a crypto talk show with investors, influencers, and remarkable personalities. Hello and welcome to Games Hub, a crypto talk show with our investors, partners, and remarkable personalities. I'm Konstantin Kogan, co-founder of Gamespad. We're excited to welcome a very special guest today. Meet Larry Devoskin, uh, who's a four-time Grammy-nominated producer, strategic project chief uh, at NFT Oasis, number one Amazon best-selling author, and NYU professor. Uh, Larry has worked with David Bowie, uh, MGMT, Sean Lennon, The Beach Boys, Sam, Sammy Hagar, Bad Company, Alec Baldwin, and many other companies ranging from UNICEF, MTV, NBC, Madonna's, Maverick Television, Sony Music, and others. I mean, I think we will not have time to <laughs> even illustrate all the achievements, but um, it's really good to have you here, Larry. Welcome. Thank you. I'm I'm exhausted just hearing all that stuff. I'm like, oh my god, I need to lay down. Um, but it's all true, you know. And and it's it's over the course of many years, and it's it's seeing life in its long term, not in its short term. You know, long term meaning do good work, give before getting, seeing how I can show up and help others, and then and then you really become parts of different communities. And then when it's the right time, like in spring, the flowers come up, the right projects or people or situations happen. 100%. And then, and again, um, we, we know that you also have a lot of n- numerous metaverse concerts and experiences, and you're now focused on this particular angle. So maybe tell us a little bit, how did you even enter the Web3 world? Um, you know, I entered the Web3 world very similar to how we met at a conference and when I went to my first sort of, I'll just call it Web3 World, it was crypto at the time, more than, mm-hmm. than NFTs where I am now and Metaverse, I felt electricity in the air. And it reminded me of rock and roll. Like when I went to CBGBs and heard the Ramones and people were just going crazy, they were jumping around. There was literally like the air, you could cut it with a knife. There was so much excitement. I felt that. In 2016, 17, you know, in that, that, that big crypto rise. And I thought like, this is rock and roll. And this is where I come from. And, and it's, it's, it's unknown. It's new people, like new people becoming the leaders and and replacing the old leaders. And that's where I want to be. So I've, that's how it happened. I just started going to conferences and my experience that you mentioned of working with a lot of different organizations, companies, um, personalities that are renowned in music or television or film gave me experience that was beneficial to a lot of these new companies because they, they, maybe they made some money, but they didn't know how to use it or they didn't know how to, how to, how to handle success properly. And I helped them understand the, the success process uh, in a better way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's exciting. I, I I love the analogy with rock and roll because that's that's how we feel sometimes. And there's ups and downs, and we see right now um, that's what's happening right now in this particular period. And but I want to talk about more about the, your particular music background, right? So unfortunately, like in the history of music, there has been many examples when artists didn't get paid fairly for their work. Right? For instance, the girls' music group TLC released their album like Crazy, Sexy, Cool, which was went. 12 times platinum and they became first go group ever to be certified diamond by the recording industry association mm-hmm. of america 
However, in only one year later, they filed for FIFO bankruptcy due to not receiving a fair share of their profits, right, for the album release. So this is only one example. I'm sure in your lifetime, you've seen multiple, right? So what do you think can be Web3 do to ensure that the music artists are fairly compensated for their work? It's a great question. And let me just give you back up for a minute. And give you another example. When the Beatles signed their first agreement with Parlophone Records in the early 1960s, they signed for half a percent, which means out of every dollar, they got 50 cents and the record company got 99.5 cents per sale, per album, per single. And they still mm-hmm. managed to get rich because they got so much fame over so long And the difference was they got rich because they wrote their own songs. So TLC may have sold a lot of records, but they didn't write their own songs. So that's one mm-hmm. of the distinctions, you know, that makes the difference in a group or an artist. If they're writing their own songs, they're getting a separate royalty. But what's wonderful about Web3 and what I love about it is... Let's say I'm on Spotify and, and my name is, is like DJ Gamespad, you know, yo, yo, I'm like Gamespad in the house and I have 10 million <laughs> Spotify listeners. I don't know who those 10 million people are, but Spotify does. They have the data. But in Web3, when I put out, let's say, an NFT drop and I'm on one of the music platforms or, or any of these platforms, My collectors, my listeners, my fans, I know who they are. They're following me. I see them. I see them, their ETH address. I see their emails. So what's different now is that I have a direct relationship in Web3 as a creator with my audience, fans, collectors, whatever you want to call them, investors. They are together with me as opposed to walled off in a separate area. And that's what's going to make so many more people able to do what they love and make a living at music. And it's interesting to bring it up because my next question was exactly about the Spotify example, right? Because many people yeah. pay for Spotify subscription and yeah. it's becoming as growing as, as, you know, as mushrooms, you know, like, uh, or other yeah. similar streaming services, right? So it allows us to listen to music whenever we want, but doesn't help us much to build you know, personal connections with, uh, you know, our favorite artists, as you mentioned, right? So at, at the same time, you're, you, we're seeing the, the, you know the the address like you know but sometimes we don't we don't always get actually emails from people who are like buying let's say our nft or music nft so how do you think can web3 bring artists closer to their fans and practicality maybe some examples that you've seen well yeah i mean for instance you know uh, and we'll talk about it later but i jumped in with a group of other artists and and helped um create Uh, as a as a sort of a founding team member, not a co-founder, but a founding team member, this NFT Oasis company that's a metaverse. And, you know, to give you an example, Imogen Heap, who's the one of the first music artists to create an NFT, I think in 2015, came into this forest world and did a concert. And she was in London, but she was playing in front of a green screen. So you saw her in this beautiful forest and, and her fans from around the world came in And then she came out from the 
from the stage and, and one person said, Hey, you know, it's my birthday today. I'm, I'm 50 years old. And somehow like through NFT Oasis, we had like, like a, a like a special thing. Like we had a birthday cake and we brought out a birthday cake and she was able to directly talk to the fan and connect and sing happy birthday. Mm -hmm. That would never happen on a Spotify or, or SoundCloud or something where people are just digitally talking but the metaverse and Web3 has opened up this direct channel. There are also many um, NFT platforms where you don't just, let's say, buy a song or buy, you, you get access to a kind of interactiveness. You know, it's almost like um, for OnlyFans, you know, like, like or, 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 you know, like these things that we think are like porn sites, but you get like private things. Uh, there's an interactivity that's happening across Web3 where where platforms are giving special access, special like one-on-ones where maybe you get on to invited to a private party with someone. I know that there was a a drop on Gala, the the gaming platform, mm -hmm. where where there was a big Snoop Dogg drop, and then special holders like there was a, a little Easter egg where they got to go to a party with Snoop Dogg and. Go, like go to his house or something or a house they rented and and like hang out for the day and and that doesn't happen right now in web 2 in web 2 it's very much like like us and them you know and and that's yeah. problem in the world right now us and them it's a, one of my favorite pink floyd songs but it, it separates us from each other web 3 breaks mm -hmm. down that wall so it's only us you know we're all in this together yeah, I think it's yeah, you hit it and hit the rock. So we we are building a new tribe, a new community that help us to be very close to each other and very open, right? You know, so uh, and it's also very interesting that you brought up the Snoop Dogg example because you know earlier this year he actually released like with Death Row, uh, you know, Death Row Session, the Volume Two as an NFT on a crypto sound platform, and then quickly they sold out like more than for like hundred ETH uh, in in one day. So. Obviously, Snoop Dogg has a reputation of an iconic, you know, like, uh, artist, right? So, well, do you think, like, people without his following would have the same success, you know, like, in, in, in selling, like, similar collection? Let's imagine we're not in their market. Let's imagine still the market is excited. It's a bull trend. Uh, but what is, what is the, the secret sauce of, you know, making an NFT, a music NFT collection successful? You know, it's really great question community uh, if i could go to the net net it's about community the nft space is knows each other and shows up you know and i'll give you an example a friend of mine whose nft name is spotty wi-fi and he's he's well known in the community he's in miami right now at the conference and was just in london performing at the opening party for nft london you know he was working some day job and he was miserable and you know when he was a kid he used to rap so he he had luckily very early on bought a crypto punk and it had like little like freckles or spots so at first he called himself spotty something or i don't know but then he thought you know people joke when the wi-fi is bad they say oh the wi-fi is a bit spotty around here so he called himself spotty wi-fi he did a rap album and because the crypto punk community is so strong, they're so supportive of one another, you know, it's like they're all, as I said, they're all in this together. It's a cliche and overused phrase, but he put out an album and in literally one hour, 
it sold out and he made about $200,000. And he was a completely unknown artist. So suddenly he made more money than you'd have to have like some insane amount of streams on Spotify to get a, a you know, $200,000. You'd have to have hundreds of millions of streams. And so, and, and he had no prior real fame or following in music, but he, he, he worked the room, as we said. He, he went to his little group and, and he said, you know, he told me something personally because he's a friend. He said, you only need a, you know, five to 700 people who are either fans or collectors. You get to a certain amount of a few hundred mm -hmm. people and then it spreads because those few hundred people tell a few people and it becomes thousands, tens of thousands. So what I'm it's seeing right effect. now, yeah, uh, I'm seeing right now a lot of people who are not going to be at the Grammys in this, this coming, you know, winter, but who are huge stars in the, in the NFT space like Steve Ioki or Spotty mm -hmm. Wi-Fi, who maybe in 2024, they'll finally be best NFT artist category. You know, I think it's coming. And, and we're just early. I always, my, my catchphrase is we're late to a party that hasn't started yet. So the bear winter, the crypto winter is just a time to shake out all the dirt and leave the gold in the pan. Now, that's that's a beautiful example. Yes. So coming back to the other challenging parts, right? So what do you think is a major barrier to, to musicians looking to enter the Web3 space? I think that the major barrier is is just a psychological one more than a physical one, you know. I've done a lot of personal development work, whether it's meditating or yoga or, or reading self-development books. I, I love to be the best version of myself. And I know that some people have a fear of success, but even uh, a, a fear of failure, which everyone thinks about. I don't want to die poor and alone is, is a common thing. But, but also people have a fear of success. Like what happens if I stand out? You know, people will be mm -hmm. jealous. People will try to take advantage of me. I won't be able to trust my friends. All these thoughts are in your head. So a lot of people just have a fear of starting, myself included in this space is why I'm really an artist, but I've started my first two years just collecting NFTs and not flipping one of them. I haven't resold one for a profit. I've just been a fan and a supporter of people in the space. So how do people get in? is you really have to get to know the community and show up. So everybody was on Clubhouse during 2020, 21. Now they're on Twitter spaces. They're on Discord. So I tell people, get on Twitter spaces. Just Google around, you know, um, NFT music, NFT gaming, NFT art, you know, see who's what what communities are you know nft now is the newsletter that nft.com and you know people like rug radio are having uh, twitter spaces every day get on these platforms and get to know the people follow them you know comment on their things that they're posting you know share ideas with them because everyone is so new that you know somebody who didn't even know what an NFT was nine months ago, suddenly is an expert in the field, like they went to Harvard and have an MBA. Like it's so new. Every It's an equal playing field right now. But you have to get mm -hmm. in it. And, and I'll give you one more example. I don't mean to talk so long because I like the back and forth. Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, uh, Niall Rogers, the, the famed producer of 
Bowie and Madonna and Daft Punk and Diana Ross and everybody told me like a, a year ago, he put out an NFT with Nas, the rapper, and it didn't sell. And they were shocked because they're used to being celebrities. Like, like we're a celebrity. Like, you know, people pay Paris Hilton to go to a nightclub opening in, in Las Vegas and, you know, just to show up and so it could get in the newspaper and page six and all this stuff. They thought, well, we're celebrities. We'll, we'll just sell out. And it didn't sell. Then Nas this year did a, an NFT drop uh, on Royal with Blau, you know, whose, whose album sold for $11.8 million when he, he dropped it in 2021. And it sold out like, again, like in an hour. And so you, ha because it was just that he was connected to a, a person who's in the space. And that's the special sauce. You got to be in it to win it. You can't just sort of airdrop in, you know, and, and think, oh, I'm going to get famous because there's so much money. Everyone is just buying apes and doodles and punks and squiggles and all this stuff. You, you have to really devote time, any art form, any, any startup, you know, you're a founder. It's an insane amount of work. There's no, you've yeah, got to be, okay. you've got to be crazy to do anything. You know, people think, oh, exactly. I'm not a singer. I'll just be a songwriter. Well, you know, a lot of songwriters wait 30 years for somebody to record a song of theirs. So you got to get in yeah. and, and, and it's a steady drip, like not tweet once, but tweet, you know, a few times a week, at least to be in it. Yeah. It's consistently consistency plus a little bit of luck, you know, like, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so we, we want to jump right into the questions from the audience. Cause you know, they were yeah. like patiently expecting to ah, ask you questions. So yes, um, let's go. Um, yeah. So there is coming questions from YouTube live, Twitter and other, other, other places. So I'm just go right into it. Sure. Um, so first, uh, first question, let me. Let me oh, reopen it again. Nasty Nas from YouTube. He's asking, uh, artists such as Nas, you mentioned it, and, and the Chainsmokers recently got into the music NFTs by investing 55 million in Royal and music NFT marketplace. Do you expect NFT marketplaces to solve the problem of how artists receive their royalties? You know, it's a different type of question. So because there are mm -hmm. different types of royalties, Will artists directly make money from the sale of an NFT that is much more than they could make through, let's say, having a record deal or a publishing deal? The answer is yes. But I question, you know, in particular, something like Royal, where they're, let's say, offering, you know, again, it's almost like the Beatles royalty from 1962. They're saying to people like, buy this NFT by this artist and you get a percentage of the royalties. It depends on what type of artist it is. If it's Drake or Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran, their royalties mean a lot. But if it's, let's say, a DJ or an, an EDM artist, people don't really go out and buy or download from iTunes the album from a DJ. They, they go to a club and hear the music, and the DJs themselves mm -hmm. get paid to go spin, but that music isn't sold nearly at the same level as let's say a a proper and i'm not you know djs are performers they are artists but they're not ed sheeran they're not standing alone in front of eighty thousand people with a guitar with foot pedals and those songs are being re-recorded by other people covered by other artists played in mm -hmm. symphonies that are doing 
you know, pop music symphonically, like they don't have the same translation over time. So I think the question is, will they make more money by just the direct sale or secondary sale of an NFT? Yes. Will they make royalties in the traditional sense of publishing and, and record sales? It depends on the artist. If they're an artist that still charts on billboards, top 200 based on sales and radio airplay, yes. But if it's, let's say, a DJ that's famous, no. Well, again, it also depends on the DJ. I think you're, if you're, if you would take the caliber of DJs as Tiesto, Armin van Buren, or David Guetta, like, you know, they, yeah. there are also some, uh, like, some creative ways how they would play out. But the, the gen, general line of thought is clear. Like, you know, uh, thank you. So we have some yeah. more provocative questions for you. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Let's go. One is a quick one. One is a quick one. Then you can. <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling how you're going to answer, but I'm still going to ask you. So Dave from England is asking for, um, uh, through LinkedIn that as far as I know, minting NFTs and music isn't taxable. If I assume that I build a big community around me and make substantial sales, should I expect the IRS to knock on my door in the future? You know, I would plan for that. I don't have a specific <laughs> answer having not sold NFTs myself. But I think that mm-hmm. the people who don't plan for taxes very often get uh, a knock on the door, and it may not be right yeah. away. It could be in a year or two or three. And it doesn't hurt to save money, to put aside money, because right now we're in a transition point. So what was happening six months ago is different than what will happen in six months from now, you know? My own bank said to me when I, I opened a Coinbase account, Larry, we are not able to accept money in cash from from a crypto sale. Like our bank isn't set up to do that. But other banks are set up to do that. Mine isn't yet. Yeah. And it's a very good bank. So what I've had to do from, let's say I cash out something from Coinbase, I, I cash it out to PayPal and then I from PayPal, send it to my bank. So right now we're in transition and I would just plan for taxes. And at the worst, you have extra money sitting in the bank on the side that you didn't spend on a yeah. Lamborghini that you have to sell to pay your taxes. <laughs> yeah. And, and and just to add on my side of this, like, so actually in October this year, you know, the IRS released a very clear guidelines of how to... Oh. Um, you know, how to process the NFTs. They're actually probably going to add it even to, into the new forms. Uh, this is number one. And number two, there are multiple, like I've seen like at least three or five, you know, like, um, uh, taxing and accounting automated tools, uh, with top rated licensed CPAs who can help you to manage this and actually answer more professionally because we are not able to give you financial advice. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Oh, I, I, I just yeah. want to add a lot of my friends moved to Puerto Rico because the tax there is lower <laughs> uh, or Malta or like Sam Blankenfried moved to the Bahamas. So if you're really oh worried God. about taxes, move out of the mainland and go to someplace like Singapore, you know, if that's really a problem. Well, for you. Well, and that's if a you're not a U.S. Problem. citizen, yeah. if you are actually a U.S. citizen, that doesn't help. Yeah. 
because you, you pay taxes globally. So, um, but anyway, so, so again, question to a CPA, because otherwise we'll have to ask Larry for <laughs> financial advice. We don't want to do that. Right? So, yeah. Uh, I offer um, no, no legal or financial advice, just opinion. <laughs> Disclaimer. Uh, Blockchain Jelly from YouTube is asking, um, I read that, that uh, Fantiger, India's first music NFT platform, has reached 50k transactions and is now ranked second behind OpenSea. Uh, is India really ahead of all other countries in terms of music NFTs? You know, I, I wouldn't say that they're ahead, but India is a very strong um, Web3 country as far as its openness uh, both in people who are collecting. I've seen um, some of the big headlines from 2021 where collectors from India buying something for tens of millions of dollars. I've seen infrastructure from India. I've seen people that I meet at like a super rare party at, in New York or London or somewhere that are, um, you know, founders. So, you know, Again, because the numbers that we see, are they inflate? Are they like you talked about where they did an actual analysis of either Sandbox or Decentraland and found like, like what they said was happening and what was really happening were so different that I think that India has a strong chance of being one of the world leaders because there mm-hmm. really is a lot of smart people there. And, and I myself have a lot of friends that are building that are builders that that may not live in, they may live in Silicon Valley, but they're from India and it's a mentality of hard work being open. And I think just if I could be a little woo-woo-ish in a minute, there's a spirituality, you know, I'm a yogi. So I, I don't just have, and I'm, I don't want to talk about religion, but I have some of the, you know, I have Shiva and Lakshmi and, and Ganesh and all of these, um, deities from from uh some of the religions and and i believe that that it makes my life better i'm healthy Mm -hmm. i'm 64 years old i'm happy i'm doing my part a little bit you know to make the world a better place every day in in the ways that i can that are in my in in my hands and i i think part of that is that india has a strong um cultural background of of Mm -hmm. being spiritual and working hard that's my own opinion 100%. i i i would i couldn't agree more um this uh i have another question from the space of from youtube uh, uh the, the question is music industry seems broken i know artists that can pay their rent and you mentioned that before so my question is would it be a profitable strategy for platforms to reward fans for that support no name or an up-and-coming artist and encourage more musicians going indie well it's a good question because there are already things like on on spotify there are people who have created companies where they pay people to listen to music. And so me as a producer of music get hit with all these advertisements, like get on this playlist, you know, where people will hear your music. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's undetermined yet whether that makes sense or not. You know, uh, what you really want in the end is people to genuinely love your music, not be paid to listen to it. And so, but at the same time, the way the business works, all business is, I hate to say pay to play, 
But, you know, in the mm-hmm. old days, you know, Ahmed Erdogan, there was a thing called the $50 handshake. Ahmed Erdogan, the founder of Atlantic Records, would go meet someone in a parking lot, hand them a, a Ray Charles record or an early Rolling Stones record and shake their hand. And in the record was a $100 bill and suddenly the song was on the radio the next day. So it does cost money to make money. Any business knows that. Spotify was losing billions of dollars for the first few years. I don't know if they're still losing money as a, as a business, but Amazon was losing money for years. Facebook, uh, it, it costs money to make money. So I think that as an indie artist, you know, again, I think just really becoming part of the space, showing up, being active on Twitter spaces, uh, joining all, there's so many new music startups. One of them that, if I'm allowed to mention, Token Tracks with two X's, Token Tracks, is started by my friend Tommy D. I mean, he's like an amazing producer who's worked with Adele and, and, you know, Kanye and hundreds of artists that are huge stars. And he partnered with a guy who ran Warner Brothers Music and Records, you know, to, to do this thing and like he was even dropping an nft for a dollar like one dollar like his own little music just to get it started so if -hmm. you find these places you're an early adopter get in there before it's crowded right now spotify is too crowded tiktok's too crowded get into token tracks get into all these little nft oasis these these new companies where a year from now you'll be a rock star you know, because it's, it's, you're, you're early. Mm-hmm. That's my hundred percent. No, that that's, that's, I think it's a very important advice. I mean, I ha- we have a lot of questions about like, some of them are about copyrights and creative licensing. Yeah. So those are very yeah. loaded questions. We're probably going uh, to, gonna... you tell me I'm, I'm ready. Chance? Well, you know, because really, I'm really also... quick. Okay. One minute, one minute. What, what do you think I'll ask you about? Okay. So Raphael asking you, how will Web3 shape the music industry in terms of copyrights and creative licensing? So let's, let's do like one minute blitz answer. Sure. One minute blitz is copyright your song by in America. I, I just copywrote, um, one of the famous songs that famous artists that I produced. I send a, a form in, uh, PA, which is performing arts to the library of Congress in America with $65 or whatever it costs and lyrics and music and it's protected. But also there's what's called fair use. The fact that let's say like Andy Warhol did the Campbell's soup can and, and he could have been sued for copyright infringement because he used the, the physical logo of the can, but then he changed up the colors. Campbell's was smart enough not to sue him because they thought here's free advertising this really famous artist is making our soup can into, and they were smart because it made Campbell's even more money and even more famous. So the copyright thing, I say you have to get your business in order. If, if you have other artists involved, I know it's more than a minute, you know, Blau, I love, I love Justin. He's a friend, but he didn't credit any of the people on his own. So he made all this money and then everybody sued him. It's not a big news item, but everybody in the business knows, like, like, make sure you include your co-writers, your producers, make sure your agreements are in writing, because eventually it may not happen tomorrow. You may get the money, but then I hate to say it, just like, you know, Sam Blankenfried, like your karma will catch up to you if you're not 
buttoned mm-hmm. up, you know, uh, with your legal stuff. Hundred percent. That's that's actually super valuable advice, and I'm sure you can you can provide a lot of more more professional advice. I mean, Larry is very open-minded person i know it myself so we will leave all the uh links to your all your social media twitter linkedin yeah. whatever yeah and, I, and then I, hit- I, I want to clarify to people listening you know i'm here to be of service to the community i've had bucket lists with i want to do this in life uh, the first one i i completed in 1992 so now I'm on like my 10th bucket list or something. Follow me. Like, like the simplest thing I'm telling you, get in the game. I'm the only Larry DeVoskin on Twitter. I'm the only Larry DeVoskin on LinkedIn. I'm the only Larry DeVoskin on Facebook. However, there are two Larry DeVoskins on Instagram. One is a fake that will ask you if you've ever invested in crypto and want to get in on something. That's not me. Report that guy and block him. Yes. We really appreciate your time, Larry. Like, listen, uh, always, always great to learn from you. I mean, you had an amazing career. I'm sure you're, you're going to have even more achievements that you're going to reach. And you're such an open-minded person who's always here to help. So we'll leave all your contact information. I, there, there were like dozens of other questions. So I'm sure people will ask maybe in comments. Yeah. If you have, if you have time, uh, p- please, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, reach out to Larry and then he will, he will obviously uh, answer you. And then for our community, thanks everyone. Uh, thanks for joining uh, Games Hub today. You know, and we really uh, love to have you here and then watch us again, uh, as you know, always at 3 p.m. UTC or 11 a.m. EST on YouTube Live, LinkedIn Live, Twitter Live, and all the lives possible just in two weeks. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I want to leave, if I can, with one closing comment, if that's possible. I know we're a little over time. And what I want to say to people, and I say this with all my heart, that we're taught competition. You know, we're taught, you know, to the victor gets all the the spoils, the, the cars, the houses, the money. But I want to share with you something that I've found, and this is the opposite of what most people think about you about life. Um, the universe is kind. You know, just 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 meditate on that for a, you know a moment or tomorrow or tonight. The universe is kind. When you dream of something, it's possible for your dreams to come true if you really love something. You know, if you really love something the universe will find ways to bring it to you. It may not come to you in the way that you think, you know, sometimes it comes through the window and not the front door. Just be open to it because I came from nothing. I came from a normal family of teachers. I wasn't the son of a rich person. I worked, but I I just got into the music scene. Like I said, crypto reminded me of rock and roll. When I used to sneak out at, I was underage. I'd sneak into the rock clubs in New York and hear Blondie or, you know, Cindy Lauper, all these people before they were even famous. And I was like, wow, this is exciting. We're early, you know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're early. So just do this thing that you love and be patient. Don't, don't try to scam anyone. Don't try to pull, show up with an attitude of him here to give and the whole world will come to you because the universe is kind. Thank, thank you. Thank you for 100%. this time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Larry. All right. All right. Stay tuned with Games Hub, a crypto talk show by GamesPad.